0: Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Today we have a very unusual chapter in the book of Acts. It records a sailing voyage and ultimately a shipwreck. And this account that's contained in the book of Acts, of course, was written by Luke But in this instance, Luke was an eyewitness to all of these events. So this particular chapter, Acts 27, is actually used as an account of one of the most ancient uh, records of a shipwreck in the world. It's taught in maritime colleges and uh, naval schools and so forth as a a detailed accounting of an ancient shipwreck, an ancient voyage followed by a shipwreck. And so it's very... um, Concise. Honestly, there's a lot of very difficult place names, some of which no longer exist. But as we're reading this account, I want you to pick up on the sense that Luke is there watching these events unfold. Get a flavor of the fear that comes on the men as they're facing the dread of the storm that they deal with, and ultimately the the wrecking of the ship, and the ship breaking up, and the fact that Paul was told by an angel that the angel of the Lord had come and given them a word that they would not die because of Paul's account. Uh, Because Paul was on the boat and Paul had to go to Rome, the Lord was going to preserve the lives of everyone that was shipboard. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. Almost 300 men were preserved. And so let's begin. Acts chapter 27. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the imperial regiment. We boarded a ship from Adrumidium about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open ocean off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus, When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salome. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous, and bring great loss to the ship and cargo, and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix, and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force, called a northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kada, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure when the men had hoisted it aboard they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continually raged, we were finally giving up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not set sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the fourteenth night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now, I urge you to take some food. You need to survive. No one of you will lose a single hair from his head if you listen to me. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board the ship. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached the land safely. I think we all can agree this is a very unusual chapter, and the details that it contains are without parallel um, in the scriptures for one setting and one scene and one event. It's just a remarkable Uh, description by Dr. Luke. Luke is an eyewitness, as the pronouns tell us throughout the text, reading in verse 1. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Luke wrote, Paul and some of the other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. So we know that Luke was not a prisoner, but Paul and other prisoners were on board, and Luke was along as well. Perhaps he was functioning as the ship's doctor or just coming as Paul's attendant and companion. We're not told what his status was on the boat, but we know he was not a prisoner. Verse two, we boarded a ship from Adramidium about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. So Luke is still with them. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. And so as the chapter continues, Luke is, is present in the whole thing. Now what happens is they get off of this ship onto another ship, and Uh, There's a tremendous change in the weather. They've been delayed. Apparently, there was some delay in getting Paul transported from Israel. And so now they're late in the season when it's treacherous to travel. Uh, The first ship their own puts in, they get on another ship, and this ship almost immediately begins to have problems. And they face a hurricane, what seems to us to be a hurricane. And the the net result was they're off course, the ship is damaged, and everybody thinks they're going to die. And so they went a long time with no food, and then uh, Paul had an angelic visitation, and the angel of the Lord reassured Paul, and Paul, by extension, reassured the men on the boat. But listen to the words of Paul. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. So Paul gives them a very clear prophetic declaration. And he says in verse 23, Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And so the men were encouraged, but um, they continued more days of of, uh, turmoil and kind of listlessly floundering along in the ocean. And um, uh, ultimately, Paul instructed the centurion, don't let the sailors leave the boat, or there's going to be um, no hope for the soldiers and the prisoners. So the centurion cut loose the lifeboats, and uh, they kept on. Uh, Luke records there were 276 men on board. And then finally, the shipwreck in verse 41, the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to keep them from escaping, but the centurion By this point, he wanted to spare Paul's life, so he kept them from killing any of the prisoners, and they all reached land safely. Now, here's what I want to leave you with. The Lord had instructed Paul prophetically several years back that he needed to go to Jerusalem. He was going to be arrested and taken to Rome. And so Paul knew that was the will of God. On this boat, there was a, a definite danger of it floundering and sinking, which would have taken Paul away from his mission. But the angel of the Lord came and told Paul that he must stand trial before Caesar. So God was going to bring that boat and all the men through safely. You see, friends, you can't thwart the will of God, whether wind or storm or shipwreck or soldiers or the will of men. The Lord will have his way, and the Lord decreed that Paul would go to Rome. Lord, we thank you for this unusual chapter. We thank you for the assurance of the angel of the Lord to Paul. We thank you that you'll finish that good work in our lives just as you did in his. Amen.